the Bible Study Podcast, episode 312. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues a study on marriage. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. As I mentioned, there are some things about this study of marriage that scared me a little bit, and we'll look at some of the reasons for that today. Now, what have we established so far? We've looked at marriage and we've said that it's something established by God and that it's very important. So you'd think at that point that if I open up the Bible and I start looking at people's marriages, I'm going to find some good examples of marriages that we should strive to emulate. But I don't find a lot. And that's one of the things that concerned me about doing a Bible study on that. So let's look at some of the track records here. We start with Adam and Eve, and we don't really know a lot about their marriage. We do know that when push came to shove, Adam was certainly willing to blame Eve for the problems that he got himself into. But it's our understanding that they stayed together. Of course, there weren't a whole lot of alternatives at the time. We skip ahead, and the next marriage we probably run into is the marriage of Noah. And we get some things about Noah's relationship with his sons, but not quite as much about his relationship with his wife. And what did she feel about this big ark that's being created out on their front lawn? Abraham and Sarah had an interesting marriage, a childless marriage, of course, for many, many, many years. And he did have an unfortunate habit, at least twice, of introducing his wife as his sisters because he thought that she was so beautiful that people might kill him and take her. His son Isaac chooses a wife who helps one of their sons conspire against the other one and tries to fool her husband. His son gets into a marriage where he marries the wrong woman and then manages to marry the right woman. And of course, he ends up, therefore, with two wives and, of course, later on, two handmaidens who are competing with each other and probably a fairly dysfunctional family when one of the children is sold into slavery, we would have to say. Moses' marriage seems to be pretty good. We don't really know a whole lot about it. We know he got some good advice from his father-in-law when he went into the whole ministry business, so this get-people-out-of-Israel business. Skip ahead to King David. His first wife mocks at him when he's praising God when they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, is made barren by God. He ends up eyeing the neighbor's wife and plots to have her killed and marries her instead. His son Solomon has so many wives, so many foreign wives, that they pull his heart away from God. And we'll look at that in a later episode. So in the Old Testament, I just really don't find a whole lot of examples of marriages that I think I want to be just like them. And in the New Testament, we really actually don't get a whole lot of marriages that we learn much about at all. We see the start of Joseph and Mary's marriage, and it looks like it's going to be a good one. But really, most of their marriage happens in that quiet period that the Bible doesn't talk about between Jesus being 12 and Jesus going into public ministry. And then we know that Peter was married because he had a mother-in-law. And Paul says that Peter and all the other disciples, except he and Barnabas, are married. But we don't really learn about those relationships that much. So what can we say so far? We can say so far that if you look at the total sums of all the marriages named in the Bible, that marriage can't be that easy. Well, and that shouldn't be too much of a surprise because it's right there in the marriage vows. As most of you who are married promised at the time of your marriage, you promised to love this person, forsaking all others, for better or worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. And if you talk to people who are married a long time, they will tell you that marriages have their good times and they have their bad times. And so how do we deal with those times? How do we deal with those challenges? Well, Paul in Ephesians 5 basically gives us mainly two pieces of advice. He says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as to the Lord. And husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, those are not the most popular verses and not read as often at weddings. 
But what are they saying? They're saying that when you get to a difficult time, when you're in a time where you have disagreements, and that's one of the times that these things matter, is if you're not aligned, if you're not looking at the same problem and the same difficult time and, and in agreement what you should do. And it basically says, both to husbands and wives and in different ways, that perhaps what you think, perhaps what you need, perhaps what you want is not the most important thing. And Paul calls us in these verses, and God calls us through Paul to live lives, especially in our marriages, of sacrificial love. And that's very consistent with so many places we read in the Bible that are talking about love, especially New Testament. We are called to love sacrificially our wives, our children, our neighbors, our friends, acquaintances. That is consistent with what Jesus says. But I have to wonder if there's a reason why we particularly focus on marriage, or Paul particularly focuses on marriage here. And I wonder if it's because that kind of love is difficult. It's difficult for me to wake up in the morning and while I'm still tired and while I'm still not at my best, take the person who I woke up next to and think of their needs first. It's crazy to imagine that I can. And I wonder if the reason why God establishes marriage is that he knew that just doing that kind of love with one person would be difficult. And the reason why in heaven there is people are neither married nor given in marriage is that later on, having a loving relationship like that won't be as difficult. I wonder. But we are called to that kind of sacrificial love, and especially in marriage. And some days I think that plays itself out in bigger issues, but most days with smaller things. And I think about my marriage. My wife is task-oriented. She has a to-do list, and she is happier when she has checked things off her to-do list. And so on a Saturday afternoon, for instance, it took me years to figure out, and that might be because I'm a little thick, that did you have a good weekend was the same question for her as did you have a productive weekend? Did you check things off your list? And so the problem there is that I also have some things that I want to get done on the weekend. And sometimes those things I want to do are nothing, are nothing productive. But I know that my marriage will be healthier, that our relationship will be better. If, for instance, I can find that there is one thing on her list, two things on her list that I could do. Do you have to do that or can I run to the store and get that for you? Might be something that I can offer even when I'd rather be on the couch watching baseball or when I'd rather be working on Amateur Traveler or Bible Study Podcast or whatever it is that I want to do on the weekend. I know that those sort of things where I think about, well, what does she need? What's going to make this weekend successful for her ahead of what do I need? What's going to make it successful for me? I know that that improves our relationship. And certainly that falls way short of Christ laying his life down for the church, but it's in the right direction. I challenge those of you who are married or who plan to be married or in a relationship that is heading in that direction to try that this weekend. Saturday morning, what is your spouse, what does your fiance need to have happen that weekend for that to be a good weekend for him or her? Monday morning, what is their week like? Where are they stressing? Where do they need help? I think that marriages are made in lots of little choices like that. Little choices that are made day in and day out, week in and week out. The joke goes, my wife and I have an agreement that 
I'll make all the important decisions in our marriage, and she'll make all the trivial ones. And one of these days, Doug Garnett, there's going to be an important one. And it's a joke, but there's some truth in it in the sense that there are decisions that are important to her and there are decisions that are important to me. And sometimes they overlap and sometimes they don't. The ones that don't overlap are the easiest ones. When we worked on our house, she cared what the doors looked like and I didn't. I cared what the roof design was like and she didn't. And so I made the roof decision and she made the door decision. Those are the easy ones. And then occasionally we disagreed on something in our house, in a whole house remodel. We tore down everything, built a second story. We disagreed on one decision that I recall. And we didn't really have a good way of resolving it. We were disagreeing on something very unimportant. We were disagreeing on the shape and the style of the lamps on the outside of the garage. But we really didn't have the same picture in mind. We, we really, to this day, I would prefer a different style than we eventually chose. But at some point... The question is not, do I get my way, but what is more important, this decision or our relationship? And if our relationship is more important than me being right on this decision, than me getting my way on this decision, then perhaps I don't have to be right here. Perhaps I don't have to get my way here. Day after day, week after week, year after year. I think that's what sacrificial love is, is seeing things in the proper perspective, that what we're trying to build here, like the house, is something that will last for years, is something even that will outlast us, that will leave a mark on those who know us, that will leave a mark on our children, that will leave a legacy. We're trying to build something substantial. And when you're trying to build something substantial, you look at things over the long term and what the long term value is of this choice or that choice. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at the Bible Study Podcast.com. You can also leave a comment on this episode at the Bible Study Podcast.com or follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Hello, my name's Rachel Carmen, and I want to invite you to come over and listen to my podcast. It's called Real Refreshment. For years and years as a young mother, I chased after the wind, thinking that the world could offer me the refreshment I longed for. But it was only when I discovered it in the person of Jesus Christ that I really found refreshment. Come on over and join me as we dig into Bible study. I'll see you there.